All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. Comicsgrounds.com's flagship podcast, panel to panel, where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. We are back. We are back here right now, right here for the latest episode of Panel to Panel, where we are talking about all the latest nerdy news and comic goodness in the sphere that we enjoy weekly, the comic sphere that goes around the world every day. My name is James Portis. With me here is my amazing cast. Mary has returned. Mary, how are you? How are you feeling after after the greatness that has occurred this evening? Uh, I I am doing really well. I'm doing really really well. And and you're gonna hate me because you gotta wait through all the Marvel news to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey hey, there is good Marvel news. You you are correct. You are correct. And then we have the the, the brother with the fro, the welding expert himself. Travis, how you doing this evening? Uh, doing pretty well, man. Gotten a break from my weird work experiences, so it was quite nice. All right, cool, cool. Well, then we are going to go ahead and dig into it. But before we do, don't forget, you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Podcast Republic, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts except for SoundCloud because we don't support SoundCloud. <laughs> And you can follow this podcast on Twitter at PGP underscore podcast. And you can follow the website on Comics Ground at, at Twitter and Instagram on Comics Ground. And check out the website every weekday for previews and reviews and opinion pieces about the latest comic books. That's on ComicsGround.com with hyphens between those words. All right. So let's go ahead and dig into this. So starting off with the Marvel news, we had the thing that was very brief but was very good for Mary and I, and apparently Travis has now got woke to what we have been enjoying now that he's seen something that he likes after th- uh, two seasons. Uh, we, 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 what I'm talking about is the uh, two days ago we received, in the midst of New York Comic Con, the uh, trailer for Runaway Season 3, and oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Like, so excited. 
like a like apparently like the, the parents have been inhabited one of the kids has been inhabited by the, by the evil forces well, Nico's going rogue it's, 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 it's like, and then right at the end of the trailer cloak and dagger show up and I, I, my heart was so filled with glee it was, it was so good how we feel about this y'all I am just so freakishly excited because Nico Minoru is my second favorite Marvel character. And who's your first, Mary? Get Karma. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, don't ask stupid questions. <laughs> you know damn well it's Karma. <laughs> but no, seeing Nico kind of taking that darker step a bit that she took in the comic was really interesting and like for me it's a good thing that she's kind of becoming the narrative focus because you know in the comics she has the most non-runaways exposure because um she and chase were in avengers academy together she was on a force for two different um runs so i she's had a lot to do and i think the best moment of the trailer is at the end, where she pulls the staff of one out of her chest yes. like she does in the comics. Yes, it was so glorious. Like, I saw that and, and May- we like, oh, oh, it, we, we get real up in here? She ain't just carrying it everywhere? Okay, let's go. Like, I, I legitimately gasped when that <laughs> happened. <laughs> I, I dug how like they, they were they were having Carolina like 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 get, like get the lecture of you're about to lose Nico because she was already ours. I'm like oh shit. And may I just say that Elizabeth Hurley is still looking fine. <laughs> like she she is in her fifties, hey. but she still looks good. <laughs> now Travis. Have you have you have you experienced the error of your ways after hearing Mary and I gush about the show for a long time? Well, okay. To to be fair, like I I I have missed out greatly because this is one of those shows where like I saw it when it was coming out and I was like, okay, this looks pretty interesting, and then I just stopped watching it and never really picked back up on the interest. And then you know, years later, doing this podcast with y'all, and you guys are like Runaways is so good, and I'm like. <laughs> doubling down on my hipster ways, you know. No, it's not. I'm not going to watch it ever. No. And then Cloak and Dagger will be like, fuck. And I'm like, well, now that they're crossing stuff over, I have to watch it because it's got to be better than Arrow, right? Ooh. <laughs> ooh, ooh. The, the burn. Like, the fact that the fact that the two shows are crossing over is actually pretty huge yes. because <laughs> you're crossing over basic cable to a premium service. Yes. So I think that's really interesting. And the end of season two of Cloak and Dagger, I'm not going to go into specifics, but the end of season two kind of directly tied into a runaway's plot point. And we were all hoping it would end up like this because in the comics, um, the corrupt bad guys, uh, the corrupt police officer bad guys, hire cloak and dagger to try and hunt down the runaways i don't i don't think that's what's happening in the show but i'm really excited to see that this bit of comic accuracy is happening very much so like the fact that they weren't they weren't like oh they're across the seas of of television we can't connect them they're like no we're gonna do it i'm like yes i'm so excited like I'm, i'm so pumped like, yes. Yeah, I, I am very excited. And, you know, the whole ripping the staff out of the chest and going, you know, fuck you guys. Um, 
I, I think they're gonna do all the dark dimensions and stuff from Doctor Strange because um, Nico's got the corrupt magic circles around her eyes when she goes real crazy. And so I think they're gonna start tiptoeing in the fact that Elizabeth Hurley is playing Morgan Le Fay. Yeah, I so saw I think that. I think we're gonna get real deep into kind of uh, some dark dimension magic stuff. And I am excited to see that. And I really, I don't wanna say like, I quote unquote hope, but I will be really excited if they give Nico her witch arm. Yes, yes, all of these things. But, like maybe Carolina does something and she loses the arm or Morgan gives it to her. Or one of the evil parents chops her arm off. I just want the witch arm. <laughs> All right. So um, obviously you can see that we are excited for Runaways. We will probably yes. start talking about Runaways more in depth once the season comes out. So definitely look forward to Hits Hulu. Runaways hits Hulu Friday, December 13th. What? Um. <laughs> So, so uh, we, we will probably end up making sure that our last episode before our winter break is uh, talking about Runaways, so look forward to that. So, uh, the next big, big, big piece of Marvel news had a couple of books that were announced, and the first big one that had a lot of us tripping out in excitement was that uh, starting in 2020, in January, Jason Aaron is finally, now like, this is the happy part, J Jason Aaron is finally stepping down from Thor after this giant epic long run that he's been doing with Thor from everything from God Butcher to Janus Thor to leading up to War of the Realms then doing War of the Realms he's finally stepping down for new projects and Donny Cates is stepping in to take over the reins of Thor and I saw the artwork and immediately was was thinking oh this is what we doing King Thor with like galaxy armor <laughs> Okay, I'm down. Uh, what were y'all's thoughts on this? I'm always a fan of galaxy armor, if I'm being completely honest. Um, it, it really tickles a, a specific part of the metalhead in me, and Thor does that too. So, I mean, I might be crossing over for a Marvel book here pretty soon. It's funny that you say that, because uh, Donny Cates had a quote when this book was announced that he said, every book that I write for this company, I try to make the biggest, baddest book that I can. Matt Fraction once said that every Thor book should sound like Zeppelin. Well, I want mine to sound like Norwegian black metal. Ah, a man, a man of taste. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you might be like itching for a Thor book here soon. Mary, how mm -hmm. are you feeling about this? Um, I fell off with Thor a long time ago, but... I both do and don't like when a writer can spend years on a book because, you know, when they do spend a long time on a book, you get this really epic, you know, multi-arc story. But at the same time, if a writer spends too much time on a book, it can get really stale. Very true. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, Jason Aaron did great things with it. And I'm not saying that his stories were stale. I'm just saying it's nice to see... Uh, somebody new come in. I admittedly, I haven't read a lot of Donny Kate stuff. I've heard a lot of fantastic things about his run on Venom, and I just haven't gotten around to it. Okay. But if his reputation is anything to go by, I am excited. All right, all right. That that was the the big the big one, and then the next big one that was more for me 
than anything is that my man Al Ewing is since Donny Cates is going over to four after Donny Cates is done messing up the Guardians of the Galaxy and making it this this new book with Moon Dragon and and like everyone's gone besides Rocket and Quill on the team and we actually have like a new fresh lineup on the Guardians with like Beta Ray Bill and stuff we have Donny Cates leaving and we have Al Ewing stepping up to take over Guardians of the Galaxy I might actually read a Guardians of the Galaxy book for the first time in a while because I've been missing Al Ewing being able to write space shit and I'm really excited to see Al Ewing write more space shit because <laughs> like like just reading Ultimates you know that Al Ewing has like the biggest space motor there is and like he, he loves writing about Marvel Cosmic and then he even did a little bit of um, the Inhumans book Royals so to see that book even do more stuff with Cosmic after Ultimates ended up just like oh just, just let Al Ewing design everything in the Marvel Cosmic just let him do it like it would just it would be such in great hands and you're not letting him do it like I just oh I need it he he does he does really really well with space books. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited for the idea of him taking over that. Travis, how do you feel about this? The Miss Marvel, um, Marvel not, not a big fan. Nah, I, it's it's not that I'm not a big fan. It's just DC has had my heart for some time, and it's hard to break away. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Gardens of the Galaxy. I've I've seen a few of the the comic arcs that have really interested me, like when uh, I guess Agent Venom was on the team at some point, and I don't know. I guess maybe I'll I'll take the leap because I'm I'm hearing your word for it. I I'm I'm for the space boner, so I guess I'll try it. Okay, okay. So then from there, the other like sort of bigger news in terms of comic news for Marvel that was announced was that Marvel is returning to their The End One shots. The big thing they did a while back, which was supposed to be their idea of the last story for, for each of their heroes. And we had a few different ones previously, but now we're getting a new lineup that has a Captain Marvel one, a Doctor Strange, a Miles Morales one, which I thought was very interesting, um, a Captain America one, a Deadpool one, and a Venom one, which his costume looks freaking dope. Where, like, he's moved away from the spider logo on the chest to, like, this weird spotted DNA-type logo. And it looked really raw and very interesting of the, the premise. And I was just blown away by the fact that this came back. And each one does kind of bring up the idea of what can happen towards the end of the Marvel Universe. Because we're constantly thinking about, like, the like the future with, like, Marvel's next Avengers in 2099. But, like, the, the, the event of these heroes having their eventual end, I love the idea of. So, to see Miles get one, I was pretty like, whoa. Uh, Mary, you are the comic historian. How do you feel about the idea of the end coming back? Um, I mean, I think they're they're fun little stories. Uh, like you said, it, it is interesting to see a possibility of what their final story could be like. So, because, I mean, it's probably going to be a, in what Marvel usually does, of this is a possible future as opposed to this is the canon end kind of a thing. Yeah, definitely, because they will be the ability to move away from that sooner or later. Because um, during Tom Taylor's All-New Wolverine, they did Old Woman Laura. And he he kind of had to come out and say that this is a possible future end for Laura, not the end. It would have been so So cool if it was the end, though. Right. 
But um, like you said, Marvel's probably going to want to move away from him soon enough. But I always really like when they get to expand out with things like this. And uh, like you were saying with Miles, the range of characters they have is going to be really interesting. Um, like, Deadpool looks like a mess, in my opinion. But <laughs> Deadpool looks like a mess. Uh, a miss. A miss. Okay. Uh, I I I feel like Deadpool is a hard one to do for the end because of the fact that he can't die. So it's like, does he really have an end unless you pull a, 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 a end of Wolverine where you actually do kill him, like take away his healing factor, like because then it just feels like you're just nerfing him just to take him out. I mean, the whole issue is probably just going to be Deadpool commenting on how silly he thinks this is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I think the one of like Captain America in like a post-apocalyptic um, like scene with a like a, a horde of red skulls sounds really funny. <laughs> like just being chased by zombie red skulls sounds like the greatest freaking thing I've ever got to face the earth. <laughs> And then I, I I'm inter- like surprisingly enough, I like like a lot of people know I'm not the biggest Carol fan. Like I, I love her from afar. Like yeah, you're you're probably the person I want on my Avengers lineup if I'm making a dream team. But like I don't read you as much as I should. Like th- there's that. But the idea of her disappearing for 50 years and then like like going off into the cosmos to fight all these bad guys and then figuring out why she left sounds like a good premise. And hopefully Kelly Thompson can do something fun with that. But there, like that's my thought on that. Like, I, and then also yeah. Doctor Strange doing, uh, like, what was it? Freaking, um, what was it? It was Cyberpunk. Doctor Strange sounds very interesting. <laughs> I hope Leah Williams can do something good with that. Did uh, you say Cyberpunk, Doctor? Yeah. What? What? what, what yes. Whoa! The, hey! The, the whoa! The solicit says the Sorcerer Supreme makes his final journey through a cyberpunk sprawl that for, that forgot about magic. Reteaming with the critically acclaimed creative team Leah Williams and Philippe uh, uh, Andrade. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But yeah, so apparently Sorcer- uh, uh, Doctor Strange is going to go up against uh, Cyberpunk. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> oh man, I got to see that. Maybe they'll have him embrace it where he's got like a cyber <laughs> eye. <laughs> cool. I don't know. I, I, like, I like the idea that Miles is going to go out defending Brooklyn. <laughs> Like, that's where he dies, is like, defending Brooklyn as an old man. Like, yes, that is exactly what I need to see. <laughs> like, hopefully he, like, is cemented as, like, the actual Spider-Man in that thing. Because that would be actually kind of cool. But there's, uh, like, uh, Travis, do you have any thoughts on, the, on all of these before we move on? I'm just kind of geeking out about cyberpunk Doctor Strange. Because <laughs> <laughs> that whole notion sounds so cool, man. Like... Put the eye of Agamotto in some like weird automata that's attached to his body. Like I don't know. I'm just, whew, man. That's, I need, is a I need a drink. Oh, see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro, I love this premise already. <laughs> okay, and then from there, so so now that was that, there wasn't a whole lot of Marvel news. Like there was a couple things like tease for X Men that we won't talk about because like. Dawn of X will get its time. Don't you worry. Like we have a, like a few, a couple more weeks, and then you'll just hear me and Mary gushing about New Mutants for two hours. So that'll be that'll be fun. Um, I'm looking very much forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but, but from but from there, we're gonna move into the DC news. Now, ladies and gentlemen, prepare <laughs> yourselves as Mary approaches the microphone. 
to geek out about Batwoman. Mary, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. It, it, it's a very long day. I'm very tired. But um, Batwoman just... I, I actually watched it in real time. Uh, Batwoman. I know. That's, that's how important this was. Is I actually um, went downstairs to watch it on cable. Um, but um, my initial thoughts about it, I mean, first of all, if you know anything about me, you know my religious devotion to Batwoman. Amen. Um, and I, w- I was very, very excited when I heard that, first of all, she was going to appear in the CW Elseworld crossover. And I was probably more shocked than surprised that they had decided to um, order a Batwoman pilot. Why shocked? Just because, because I feel like um, she was a character that I never actually expected to get any kind of huge mainstream exposure. Because, um, you know, in 2006, when I was reading 52, was when, you know, the character was first created. And in those following years, between, you know, 2006 to 2010, she popped up a handful of times in a couple of different storylines. Yes. But, you know, in 2010, obviously, that's when they did um, Batwoman in Detective Comics with Greg Rocco, where they famously told the Elegy storyline, mm. which is, it is her primo storyline. And uh, like I was talking before the show, like that's both a good and bad thing that her biggest and most critically well-received storyline is her origin, but it's, it's Greg Rucka and he tends to set the bar impossibly high. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, that was part of the reason for my shock that, you know, here's this character who, you know, struggled very hard to rise to a mainstream recognizable level because obviously she had a 40 plus issue solo book during the new 52 and then you know another 18 issues during rebirth but um and you know obviously she was in bombshells but so when i heard that they had picked up the story to series i was i was very like i said more shocked than surprised but um, having watched the first episode and being able to kind of like absorb everything and, you know, admittedly calm down a little bit, um, I really, really liked what I saw. I think Ruby Rose will do a good job, you know, hoping she will do a good job. Um, the first episode was, you know, kind of badass, Kate. Like, and I, I get that, like, that's the majority of Kate's character that everybody likes to see is, you know, she's kind of a badass all the time, but she mm-hmm. does have a large emotional range, and I will be interested to see if Ruby can pull that off. Um, all that aside, uh, I thought the pilot was very good. Um, I was uh, I was actually live tweeting the episode, and as I was scrolling through the tag, a lot of people were really hammering on the fact that it looked really low budget. And I do feel like I have to say that pilots are notoriously low budget. Yeah. Because a network will order a pilot and it might not see a season order. So they have to make pilots as cheaply as possible. And I, you know, I dare you to go back and watch the Arrow pilot, the Flash pilot, the Supergirl pilot, and tell me that those are amazing effects. But Black Lightning was amazing! 
I mean, Black Lightning's pretty minimalistic when it comes to effects anyway. You're right. Like, like other than Jefferson Lightning Powers, they even go out of their way to make it so the only thing of note when it comes to um, Anissa's powers is the gasp, which, like, I feel as if I, if I just had a button that did that, like, constantly, everyone would hate me because it's all I hear half the time is that on repeat. I'm like, <laughs> can you get a different version yep. of that, like, once? Like, can I get a different gasp? Why is it the same kind of thunder every time? Thunder has different kinds of like sound effects. I told Vic, uh, I, I told Victoria a while back that I want to make that gasp like my text tone. <laughs> Just get like a soundboard. Um, but no, that's 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 my one overarching defense of the show right now is that all pilots are really low budget. Yes. The the only thing. Uh, production-wise that stuck out to me as being like laughably low budget were the cgi bats oh the cgi bats but yeah the cgi bats are cgi um, <laughs> and admittedly i don't want to know how much money they're spending on this crossover so maybe that's where the whole budget is going it's like they, they pulled the package right. from spongebob where it's like we're gonna take all this budget and put it over here <laughs> pretty much which, but, I'm not uh, mad. We're getting, like, all of these people coming back to this show. Like, I'm not even mad. I mean, they have, they have five hours to pull this off. So I think there is plenty of time. Yes, very much so. But in terms of Batwoman, um, I, I was right. The And I don't want to get too much into spoilers. But the pilot is basically a loose adaptation of Elegy as I think we all pretty much expected it to be. They have characters like Alice, um, her stepmother, her father, uh, her cousin Bet or Betty, which however you know her, is not in the show. Instead, she has seemingly been replaced by her stepsister, who is a creation for the show, uh, Mary Hamilton. <laughs> so, uh -huh, I think it's festive. Her name is Mary. <laughs> yeah. Mary's so inserted into the show. Yeah, yep, that's me. Um, but, uh, no, it was it was very good. Um, I expected you to come in here, like, screaming. Like, I I'm kind of disappointed, man. <laughs> <laughs> I expected, like, me hyped on Black Lightning episode one uh, like, energy in here. Like, I, I, like, this was supposed to be your, like, Killmonger moment of, I have waited my entire life for this. And I didn't, I'm not getting that right now. I'm sad. Well, like I like I explained to Victoria, like I had that reaction during the crossover. In the pilot, we don't see her in the suit. Oh. It, it, yeah, no, you don't see her in the suit in the pilot. She is wearing a version of Bruce's suit. She doesn't have the wig or anything like that because, and I'm trying not to give too much away, but in the pilot, that's where she finds out that Bruce is Batman. Okay. Huh. So, like I said, in terms of actual batwoman stuff not a lot happened okay. it's it set up the emotional conflicts with her and her family it set up the conflict between her and sophie and i think that is an eternally weird choice because sophie was her girlfriend at west point kate gets thrown out of west point for being gay and then sophie disappears from batwoman's story for several years until a singular issue in the new 52 years later but they can't here. Well, the thing is, they can't use Maggie Sawyer because Maggie was on Supergirl and then Floriana Lima left Supergirl. They can't use Renee Montoya because Renee Montoya is going to be in Birds of Prey and was previously on Gotham. So her two biggest love interests, they can't use. 
Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting to see the kind of tap dancing they're going to do around that. Sophie was really the only person left. And yeah, there's actually, a, there, there's, a, there's a twist with that in the end of the episode that legitimately surprised me. I don't want to give that away because this is going to come out on Monday. So I don't want to be that douche. <laughs> But no, in terms of her actually like batwomaning around, that you know, not a lot of that happens. That's fair. Uh, I mean, like it took it took Jefferson to the end of the episode to get his thing on, so I I understand. Yeah, uh, I will say this: Alice, Batwoman's biggest villain, is absolutely amazing. Ooh. Like they really nailed that weird, crazy-ish Alice in Wonderland thing. That's good. And. But the unfortunate thing is I know a lot of people are going to sit there and point fingers and going, they're just reskinning the Joker. And, like, no, that is not the case. Elegy explains all of it. Uh, they did the big reveal with who Alice is in the end of the pilot, and I thought that was weird. Again, getting into spoiler territory. If you've read Elegy, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you have not, I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Okay, so but, do you definitely recommend this as, as something for people to watch? Yes, I do. I think it's going to be a good season. They've set up some really good stuff. Um, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get her in the full suit at the end, but I didn't actually see anything that drove me nuts, that I hated. Um, I, I actually really, really liked it, but... I had my big emotional moment during the crossover when she first drops down. Ooh. Like, I legit started to cry when that happened. There you go. Damn. Yeah. So th so there's my there, there's the reaction you wanted, James. Like, no, in the crossover where she first drops down to help Barry and Zisco, I, I actually started to cry. Okay. Because that was this huge culmination. And this was a nice, warm, fuzzy continuation of that. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so definitely Mary has given this her stamp of approval. Yes, it, it okay. has my stamp of approval. Okay, okay, so that, that's good. So now we get to talk about the Harley oh. Quinn show, aka. Hang on, oh, and hang, and Rachel Maddow is in it, and it's great. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, Rachel Maddow was, was no, confirmed. No, no, no. Oh wait, what? She's she's playing Vesper Fairchild, who is a radio, a talk radio host. I honestly think I think the last time I remember seeing her in the comics was No Man's Land. I thought she was in the New Fifty Two. I don't. I don't remember if she was in the New Fifty Two or not. Um, but uh, you, Rachel doesn't physically appear, but she does voiceovers. She does a voiceover at the end of the show, and I think that's kind of going to be her shtick, which is actually more significant than people realize. Because haha, Batwoman is gay and Rachel is gay. Aha. No, in the original trade, in the original, excuse me, trade release of Batwoman Elegy. Rachel Maddow wrote the foreword. So, like, that whole for the, that whole letter in the front of the book, Rachel Maddow wrote that, like, back in 2010. So, that's kind of where the fun connection comes in, is that they didn't just randomly pull her in for this. Like, she has a history with it. That's what's up. So, okay. Definitely check that out. I, I Honestly, I'm waiting until tomorrow when I get off of work to watch this. I'm kind of pumped to watch this, I'm not going to lie. So. I, I think I think you'll really enjoy it. Like I said, I am tempering my reaction because, like I said, this is going to come out on a Monday, and I know people are going to listen to it, and somebody's going to get really mad if I just break down the whole plot. Everything! I'm like, no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So now... Yeah. No, 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 don't do that. So now, let's have 
our discussions about the Harley Quinn show, aka Birds of Prey trailer. Um, so this trailer comes out. Everyone like was anticipating it. We got a couple of images dropped. A couple of gifts came out, and everyone was like, "Ooh." This looks interesting. And then the entire trailer is nothing but Harley Quinn talking about my problems. And what with me, I'm I, 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 now granted, I love the strength of her in this trailer, but at the same time, I'm like, can, can I can I get some Black Canary and some Huntress love, please? Like just for five seconds, please. Like like just, I I I need some vocals. I I need Journey saying more than just Harley. Like like chill out. Like I need something here. Now, now granted, the cinematography looks really good. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm kind of excited. But I'm just like oh yeah. I'm just oh, I I need I need more. Like I just I, I like Harley stop calm down. This this wasn't supposed to be about you. I have like fourteen thousand counterpoints for you, but uh, I will hold those. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I will hold those. Before Mary drops the L's on my head, Travis, what was your opinions on this trailer? Um, I'm excited for all the other characters it introduces, but on the same hand, I do I do have my little qualms, mainly uh, the 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 role that Roman Sionis is is seemingly taking in this. Oh, speak on. Um, uh, I, from from my experience as a black mask, he's always been, you know, a cold, hard, money-driven gangster. So to see him almost like hopelessly in love with Harley and perpetuating what they what I saw to be an extremely toxic dynamic of "you need me" like the whole time, um, it it sucks that he's going to be a stepping stone for that. But I'm excited to see all the other characters come out of this. To be honest with you, because like. I have a, a real, real soft spot for Cassandra Kane. She's easily one of my favorite members of the Bat family. And to see her hit the screen is worth Roman Sionis, in my opinion. <laughs> I like where she's just like, are you that crazy lady? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm excited. Plus, like, like the relation of Cassandra Kane and Dante Bosco, I'm like, Like that, like that. That's, that's that's just my soul right there. That's that's my that's my baby Zuko right there. Like I, I, I like this. Oh yes, but no. Like and the thing is, like I I I I'm excited to see Margot Robbie be Harley Quinn again. I'm just like, can can, can Renee Montoya get a speaking line, my guy? Like, can I get something? Damn it. <laughs> okay, Mary, tear me apart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, first of all, uh, I do want to say, Travis, I never actually thought about that whole uh, note with Black Mask. So I think that's a really interesting point that you made. Oh, thank you. Good job. Yep. I just wanted to, I just wanted, because like, you know, in my religious gifting of the trailer, <laughs> I never really thought about the fact that this will be a departure, seemingly a departure from his character. Mm-hmm. So... I just wanted to say thank you for making me think of that. Um, <laughs> and now this is the part where I just ripped James to shreds. Um, <laughs> 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 no, um, the biggest, obviously I love the trailer. I'm very excited for this movie. Uh, it has Renee Montoya, who, you know, is one of my absolute favorite comic characters. She's in my top five. Um, I love Rosie Perez. I love that DC is continuing the, you know, women over 50 can do badass thing, yes. you know, trend that they have going. 
But at the same time, I was not um, ignoring the criticism that came with the trailer, first and foremost being the centering of the trailer on Harley herself. And I think this was done specifically for a couple of different reasons. Uh, one of them being that as much as I don't like to agree with it, DC doesn't really have a great track record with their movies right now. So I, I mean, see, that's the biggest problem with DC movies is that you find people who absolutely loved them or you find people who absolutely hated them. Because if I had a nickel for every time I saw somebody saying Aquaman was the worst thing they've ever seen, I would have a lot of nickels. I would have a lot of nickels. I I want those nickels. It was so good. I mean, clearly Aquaman did something right because it broke a billion dollars at the box office. At least I got to the Chinese and me loved it. That's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, the fact that Shazam and Wonder Woman are their two uh, most critically, um, their highest words and language, I don't know how to use them. Uh, But that Aquaman and Shazam are their best critically reviewed movies. Um, Given the cast of characters that they have introduced, that is not necessarily a positive from Warner Brothers' standpoint of, you know, Man of Steel and, you know, um, Batman's not doing as well as they had hoped. And that's all I'm saying about that. Because I don't want to get into a Zack Snyder argument with invisible people on the internet. (laughs) Hey, last week we didn't give a crap. We called it how it was. (laughs) Yeah. See, I actually, I didn't didn't hate Man of Steel and the, like, I don't know. <laughs> See, like, I, it, it wasn't bad, but it's like, it could have been better. Like, that's where I'm going to leave I, that. Like, there was there, I, there was a lot of potential, but all of the penis imagery on Kip Krypton had me, like, bothered from the jump, if that makes sense. Like, that was already a red flag. The biggest yeah. thing for me and the biggest point of contention that I find with a lot of people is that I don't disagree with Superman breaking Zod's neck. I don't, yeah, that, that, that's fine with me. I don't just, it's, it's fine. You did what you had to do, my dude. Okay. I will say right. that. <laughs> go, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Travis. Go, oh, okay. let's do this. Let's go. Okay. Well, see, it's, here's the thing, because I, I, I'm willing to go to war with these invisible people, because it was honestly <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay, with, with Man of Steel, I, I liked it, but my problem was, is there was so much unnecessary contrived grit just injected into Clark's character that it it really made Henry Cavill's performance like less than what it could have been in my opinion yeah and then he shows like a ray of hope yeah and then but when he comes out he's got the full-on Lazarus effect and is trying to kill everybody more injection of the grim dark into the boy scout of dc that just really didn't sit right for me and then like with with batman versus superman i understand why people are like it's a smart movie and oh my god and I, i just okay it was so it was a movie that tried to be extremely intelligent in a really short amount of time with not enough background for all the characters and then it just shoved in all of this different like iconic cinematography at times where we just couldn't care because we didn't have enough information. And Am I, it, uh, go ahead. No, oh, go ahead. No, it, it, that's that's kind of it. Like honestly, that's where it failed for me big time. 
And, like, that's something I don't necessarily disagree with for the theatrical release. Um, if you've seen the home video or the quote-unquote deluxe edition, it is almost a completely different movie. Yeah. That yeah. somebody in the higher-ups at Warner Brothers did done fucked up with this. Like, I cannot imagine Snyder putting all of this in only to cut all of it out. I think they, and this is just my personal speculation, is that I feel like somebody at Warner Brothers thought the movie was too long, so they cut out over a half an hour worth of stuff. And, like, there are entire subplots that they cut out that made the movie feel more full. Mm -hmm. But, I mean... You cannot tell me, and I will fight everybody on this point, that Zack Snyder knows how to choreograph a fight scene. Yep. And I have been, I have been fighting people on that since dawn of the day. I still like... sucker punches a bitch from a cinematography point of view. I will still go to war with motherfuckers over that. Oh no, oh, yeah. he's he's great at that. It's I, I think where his problem is is that like with with at least Dawn of Justice, there was so much weight on his shoulders. Considering yeah. everyone was just like, "Hey, you're gonna take out the MCU," and then he he just kind of overwhelmed himself and came out with this huge movie that could have easily been in two parts, you know, at two separate releases. But we got this super duper cut up that made it almost unintelligible movie. No, I I do agree. Um, and if one more person tries to tell me that Wonder Woman was shoehorned in, I will beat them with a bat. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I have to drop all my counterpoints about Birds of Prey still. Um, I'll try to make this quick. Um, no, a big critique I heard a lot was the, um, the the fact that the trailer focused almost exclusively on Harley Quinn. And I think they did that for a number of reasons. One of them being the fact that, like I said, DC doesn't have a great critical track record with their movies right now. Like, yes, you can point to the exceptions, and yes, everybody has their favorite, but if you total it all up and look at the average, it's not great. So, um, especially Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad critically didn't do well, but it made, like, shit buckets of money. It's Oscar-winning. It won for the makeup, I swear to God, James. <laughs> they put him in the killer croc suit and then put him underwater and it's all practical and made effect. him watch BET. That's why it won the Oscar. Like, it didn't hilarious. win for Jared Leto's stupid face tattoos. It won for Killer Croc and it won for El Diablo. Right. Because they put all those tattoos, they, you know, head-to-toe tattooed El Diablo and then dumped a bunch of water on it. You're right. Again, that's one of the few points I will fight people about. You're not wrong. I mean, Suicide Squad, it was a great popcorn movie, and it was fun. So I think that's why it kind of, like, got critically... I don't know why it got the hate that it got, to be completely honest. I had a lot of fun with it. It's not especially memorable. It was just fun. But the almost universally agreed on point was that Harley Quinn was the breakout star, that Margot Robbie did a good job. So you have this female-led movie, you know, a group of a handful of women that a casual audience does not know. I mean, you can go to somebody who goes to see superhero movies and go, okay, so what do you think of Huntress, Cassandra Cain, uh, Black Canary, and Renee Montoya? And they'll look at you like you just beamed down from the mothership. It'll look like, it'll it'll like the one clip from Guardians of the Galaxy where dude's like, ooh? Yeah, exactly. 
And I think we as comic fans tend to get up on our high horses because we know who these characters are and we love these characters, but we make up a very small percentage of the movie-going audience for comic book films. And I'm not talking about, you know, people who like Marvel movies and they go see all of them and they know all the stuff about the MCU. Like, I'm talking those of us who are really up our own butts with the fact that, you know, we have thousands of comics, you know, in our homes. We have thousands of comics in our digital libraries. Like, I think we tend to get kind of a tunnel vision view. And so I think from a marketing standpoint for this first trailer, now if the second trailer is exclusively Harley, I will jump in the camp of boo. Boo, Wendy Tetzelberger, boo. Pretty much. But I think for the first trailer, to catch the eye of a general audience, lead with what made you successful. And uh, like I had told, you know, James and Travis before the show, it's less than two minutes of what I can only assume will be a two-hour movie. So I think that you want to lead with what made you all the money in the first place. And if you break down the trailer shot by shot like I did, because of course I did, <laughs> there, there's a lot there. You see a lot of Huntress's origin. You see Renee walking out of the GCPD. Like, you know that there are going to be B stories for all of these characters that are going to culminate into this huge thing. And my secondary point is I do, I absolutely adore the Birds of Prey. But... If this narrative for this movie is framing the way that I think it will, that narrative almost supersedes my love of the birds of prey. And now this is where I start to get controversial. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Let's get it. Is is that um, I think I I hope and for you know from interviews that I have read with Margot Robbie speaking about the film is that this will essentially try to de-romanticize the relationship with Harley and Joker. And if you've watched, you know, Batman the Animated Series, it was <laughs> it was clearly a way to present abusive relationships with kids. <laughs> With the fact that, you know, the Joker emotionally does not care about her. He strikes her frequently. Yes. And I think at some point along the line, the relationship kind of became romanticized in a really negative way. That a lot of people love the Joker and Harley relationship because they're psychotic and quirky together. Like, no, that's not a good thing. And if this is going to be a comic book movie about finding your independence after being in, being in an abusive relationship for so long, I think that is a very important narrative to tell. And I know that I'm kind of like waving my woman card around right now, and I really, I, I always hate to do that. But like as a woman, that's kind of what I got from the trailer a little bit, is like, okay... You know, if this is the story they're going to present, and if they do that well, I am willing to set aside my love of these other characters for a little bit, because that's a story that needs told, especially in a superhero film, and especially, and I'm going to throw some shade here a little bit, the fact that Ant-Man dropped the ball on that. Ooh! 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 I love it. Yeah. See, that, that, is, that, that is my big controversial thing, is I feel like Ant-Man had a really... Because, I mean, obviously, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer famously played Janet Van Dyne, Justice for Wasp. Um, yes. But, I mean, and I understand, you know, like, these movies, and don't kill me, audience, don't kill me, these movies are largely targeted at children. And I can understand not wanting to bring that in, but I feel like sidestepping the story completely 
was a bit of a disservice to the source material and to how it ended up kind of a thing. So, like, that's kind of my counter. I'm not, somebody's going to accuse me of throwing shade at Marvel because I'm a DC fan. That's not what this is. (laughs) But that's my big, long, rambly thing about Birds of Prey. Truthfully, I think it was a first trailer. It's, you know, if you take out the title cards and everything, it's less than two minutes. I think there's going to be a lot for these other characters because Kathy Ann and uh, Christina Hodson, they have, they've both gone on record. They have a lot of passion for these characters. And I think we will see that. I think they just wanted to put a foot forward. The fact to go with what people know as opposed to going with this whole hor- this whole host, ah, words, um, a bunch of other characters that people don't know. And I'm saying this as a woman who, I, I defy you to find someone who loves Renee Montoya more than I do. And if I can have, if I can have the strength to say this, I think there might be some validity to my ramblings. Travis, follow up that. Uh, I'm, I just want really epic fight scenes. If I'm going to be honest with you, we have, we have some of the best hand to hand fighters that DC has ever seen. Like in comics and if they like squander this, I'm gonna be pretty upset. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they can even show a little bit of Cass's body reading and watch me freaking high pitch scream right in the middle of the theater and freak out and throw my popcorn. But I don't know. I'm I'm skeptical just because I'm a natural cynic. But I have extremely high hopes for this movie. Okay. See, Cass is Cass is the character I'm worried about Speaking because you know. Cassandra famously has issues talking because of plot reasons I'm not going into. And the right. fact that we we do see her speak some mm-hmm. in the trailer, I know a lot of people are very angry about that. The fact that, you know, she has dialogue at all. And, you know, Cass does speak, but they're very rarely grammatically complete sentences. And they're usually right. very short and very choppy. And the fact that we saw L.A.J. Bosco give a full sentence with, you know, various amounts of emotional inflection, I think has a lot of people worried. Yeah, I can understand that. I'm wondering if maybe towards the end of the movie we'll have her doing some fight stuff, but, you know, she has a broken arm, and we've seen that in the lead-up in the trailer. So we'll see what happens. But in terms of overall presentation, she is the character I am worried about the most. And I yeah, want to know I, who the and I want to know want to know who the hell Ali Wong is playing, but that's just <laughs> I um I kind of can see where people would be worried about Cassie being able to speak, but on that same hand, like for people who aren't familiar with the character, she still needs to be communicable yeah, to I a new it. audience. I'm, I'm kind of where he's at with that because it's like now, granted, I kind of it would have been nice to just have her out the gate signing the way, like, Dave, the original David Kane taught her, or at least in some way of that. But at the same time, I agree with Travis that there is a modern audience who need to have somewhat of a thing going where they understand her. So, and I think a big point to kind of help buttress that is that none of these characters, <clears throat> these other characters, would conceivably know sign language. Yeah. But. Okay. 
so there, there was some good thoughts on Birds of Prey. Now, this one was sort of like leaked or like just spoken of at the DC Nation panel. We don't have a lot of information about this one, but since Bleeding Cool thought it would be cool to make it an exclusive, I thought it'd be fun to talk about. So, uh, it was revealed as this big old spread that Dan DiDio and company are trying to create a ultimate timeline for the current um, continuity of the DC Universe. And my first response to this is, what the actual hell are you doing? Your continuity is so ass backwards right now that you have no idea what to do. And you're going to try to put an ultimate timeline together when half of your characters are in the canon. That like Scott Snyder and James Snyder in the fourth had to birth the, the JSA out, out of a time warp just to make some, like, some people happy because you kept kneecapping J Johns. Okay, so let, 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 let's elaborate. <laughs> so from what we know, as, as you have heard, I and Mary and Travis rant before that we have the new 52 continuity still in effect somewhat. We, we also do have the, the altering that was done with the Superman Reborn event that combined new 52 Clark and pre-new 52 Clark into one being and like erased a couple characters from canon like new 52 Superboy and stuff like that and like changed everything. And then we have the, like, like the, whatever is going on right now with like Year of the Villain and whatnot. That's just kind of going. We do, there's been multiple discussions of what's in, what's in canon, what's not in canon. Like it all started with the joke uh, from uh, Scott Snyder in uh, Batman: Dark Knight's Metal, where you had um, Green Lantern reference Aquaman's hook hand, and ever since then it's just been getting worse and worse and worse and worse <laughs> in terms of what's in canon. And now we have this new timeline that apparently starts with Generation One, with Wonder Woman being the first superhero of the DC universe. Mary, oh I... no, how terrible. Boo. Like, I think it's dope. Of course of I course, do. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> I think that's dope because it, it harkens back to the idea that Wonder Woman was, was a member of the JSA. Granted, not a secretary no. like the original run because no. Yeah, she was she was the secretary. Let's not talk about that version, but I like that there in different like, forms of media there's been like the idea of her fighting Nazis with them. So I, I'll enjoy that version because her being their secretary was really effed up. Uh -huh. And then, of course, there was the form of the JSA in this canon. We don't have a lot of information because, like, the, the timeline itself was so blurred, like, in the version that was produced by the media that we don't have, an inf like, a, a, a clear version of what's in the timeline yet. But what we do know is the JSA and Wonder Woman are Generation 1. Generation 2 is Superman, Batman, the forming of the Justice League, and the Teen Titans. So everything that would go along with that, like people like Green Arrow and Aquaman and Martian Manhunter and stuff like that. And of course the Teen Titans. And then uh, between Gen 2 and Gen 3, we have Crisis on Infinite Earths. We have all of like the 2000s and 2010 stuff, like Blackest Night an infinite crisis apparently happened. I don't know how, but okay, we'll go with it. Um, all this stuff keeps going. And then Generation 4 apparently is the current existence of things like Year of the Villain and the current comics going on right now. <sighs> how do we feel about this? Because <laughs> I, I don't know how to feel. 
I'm, I'm very frustrated, guys. <laughs> Help me out here. Travis. Mm, I don't know. You got me in thinking lock. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> how do I put this in a way that doesn't sound awful? <laughs> And I know I've said this before, and people are going to hate me for it, but the biggest problem with the current DC canon is, and it's the funniest thing ever, it's the Teen Titans. <laughs> it's every sidekick that either Danny has tried to kill, or just who currently exists because we're existing in the timeline that was altered by uh, them originally saying in the New 52 that, oh, Tim's Titans were the first Titans ever, and then we have... DC Rebirth that goes, oh wait, no, Dick's Titans were the first Titans. And then, oh wait, Young Justice apparently happened too. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah, and, I, and I'm just over here like, can you just leave the next generation alone? Hasn't King killed enough of them? Can we stop? Like, please? Like, please? if you just go back and you, and you lay out how the Teen Titans exist in the canon, you, everything would be fixed. Everything would be fine. You can say that the new 52 and, and the pre-new 52 had a baby, and then, like, this is what exists now. And, like, everything would be fine. We can let Wallace West exist. We can, we can like, everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reoccurring joke for Blair Grouse for anyone who doesn't know. But, like, <laughs> like it's just, I, 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 I'm frustrated. Mary, help us. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> because, because, this this whole episode just should be titled Mary Runs Her Mouth. Um, <laughs> I don't see this as entirely negative. Oh, okay, speak on it. Uh-oh. I don't. Because, um, like James mentioned earlier in the episode, I do kind of fancy myself as something of an amateur comic historian. It's probably like, you know, 20% actual knowledge, 80% ego. Um, uh, I disagree with that fact. I think it's about 60% yeah. knowledge. You are very knowledgeable. <laughs> and still 40% ego. Thank you. I, I, gotta, I gotta let you have your qualm somewhere. Yeah. But, um, and to be completely frank, the last seven years of DC continuity has been a hot goddamn mess. Amen. <laughs> I think the new 52, while on paper being a really good idea, fell apart in practice. Amen. But, you know, I also still have to acknowledge that good things came from the new 52. A lot of, you know, new interesting characters came from the new 52 storylines, you know, some really great books. But I think the ultimate sin was removing the rest of the continuity. Yes. Crisis on Infinite Earth served a very specific purpose in terms of publication that, you know, in, you know, the late 40s through to the early 80s, DC had been buying up all of these little comic companies and kind of co-opting all of their characters into their universe because the list of characters that DC did not create is a staggering one. Shazam, uh, Plastic, Man. Plastic Man. Yeah. I mean, um, even like the Blackhawks, they didn't create them. They were purchased from other companies, either through lawsuits or when these companies were going under. And crisis, yeah. And crisis on Infinite Earth served to get rid of all of that 
and put them all in one big universe, which from a publication standpoint made a lot of sense. And especially if you look at the fact that these books weren't being collected. Trade papers are a relatively new invention in terms of the history of comic books. But I think, I, I kind of, I almost expected something like this to happen because of DC's collection of older storylines, specifically the Golden Age collections they've been doing, and the fact that they made all of that available on DC Universe, which has a massive comic library, and the fact that more people than ever have been able to go back to, you know, the, the mid-1940s and read Golden Age, you know, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and then actually being able to see how much has been cut out. I think was kind of, an, in hindsight, it's a very clear indicator of what was coming. So I cannot blame them for pulling like a reverse crisis where they're going, okay, we did done fucked up. Let's try to fix this. See, I, I, res I, I, I agree with you that something like, something like this was needed, but at the same time, I don't know why they didn't just pull the crisis panic button. Like, we had the opportunity to pull the Crisis Panic button with Metal, and Scott Snyder has gone on record to say that Dark Crisis was a name that was bounced around. Like, I've heard it out of his mouth at a con. I, I, I know that was a thing. And then we also know that Year of the Villain was starting to be painted as, like, a big crescendo. Like, if, if like, and, like, and Travis has said it before multiple times, the idea of Bat the Batman Who Laughs being this generation's um, Superboy Prime. This could have been the way to pull the panic button trigger to reset your entire canon. But instead, you're, like, shuffling out this continuity thing that's not going to make a lick of sense. And I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I think the big thing is that, you know, they didn't want to run, uh, quote, like, I, I saw the, uh, the, quote, dark crisis thing being tossed around, too. And, um... I think they were anticipating Heroes in Crisis to be much bigger than it was. And, you know, comic media would have had a field day with the fact that, oh no, they're doing another Crisis event like they did when Final Crisis came out. Because, I mean, you know, there's only a couple years between Infinite Crisis and Final Crisis, and I remember everybody was all up in arms about that. But... I also think that they didn't want a big old reset button to be centered specifically around Batman because a lot of people are getting super pissed about it. Because mm. that, that's a reaction I've seen time and time again is obviously Batman is their big moneymaker and you want to lead with your, you know, lead with the moneymaker, but a lot of people are getting irritated that you know books that have a lot of cult fan support are being canceled and then whoop, here's another bat book that's popping up and let's be frank here anything dc does is gonna be met with criticism you know if they change you know from yellow to blue post-it notes bleeding cool is gonna have you bleeding cool and other sites and i'm not trying to throw shade or anything is gonna have this huge expose about how they're in an absolute mess so they kind of screwed themselves from the get-go. It's going to be an absolute, like, actually implementing this is going to be a mess. It is going to be a huge fucking mess. But unfortunately, I think it's work that just needs done. 
Have you guys ever, um, let me put it this way, have you ever cleaned out your refrigerator and you haven't cleaned it out for a while and you find like that one thing in the back of the fridge that you've been scared of for a while? Mm-hmm. I think that's the DC continuity. <laughs> like, you know you have to do it. You're going to hate it when it's happening, but when it's done, it's just going to be so much better. <laughs> it's got the green fuzzies on it and you're really disappointed. Yes. <laughs> Like, that's the DC. Like, it's some, like, you know, leftovers you got or something that you were going to enjoy. And then everything in your life just kind of fell apart. And then you realize one day of, oh, my God, what the hell is this? Like, that's the DC continuity right now. I used to love this, but now it's so putrid. Exactly. (laughs) And I think think that is is an apt metaphor. Oh, my God. I just, like... it's it's gonna be messy. You're gonna hate to clean it up, but when it's done, it's the whole fridge is just gonna be a lot better for it. And the thing is, like I I've gone on record multiple times and said the new Fifty Two when it first launched, I had a lot of promise for it. Hell, I'll go on record and say I didn't hate. Uh, Roy Harper's trucker cap. I've said it before, but at the same time, you could have made everything so clean if, like, the Dio and everyone else wouldn't have rushed out a new continuity just because leadership changed and you, like, hodgepodge Flashpoint into the way to reboot your entire continuity. If you would have spent the time to get the teams together to write out the canon and make it work and then not have Jeff Johns come save your ass later, it would have been a great thing. Hell, I've said before that I'm an avid defender of Tim Drake's Venetian Blind Wings. I've said it before. Scott Snyder's Batman is still one of the greatest milestones in Batman's career because of how much impact it's had. There's rumors that the new Batman game that's being worked on is about the Court of Owls. We've we've seen this level of impact happen because of it. We've had amazing stories that, that have been created over time from the new 52. Aquaman, some arcs of Justice League, they're like the Birds of Prey and stuff like that. Like different things that have come out. Um, Secret Six, multiple things that have gone on record as being critically acclaimed books, but then your continuity is such a garbage fire that no one can understand what's in canon and what's it not. And then it's like, what's the point? Like, I, I, I wanted to love the new 52 so much, but then when half of the books are canceled six months in, like, that was the first sign of something's wrong. Like, and like it broke my heart finding out how Static Shock was canceled because of all the editorial interference. Like, seeing Legion of Superheroes being axed, seeing, like, all these different things just hitting the curb so fast. And I'm, I'm just... I, it bothers me that like now we're like, hey, we're gonna fix it. Like, ugh. but the metaphor of the, the the refrigerator is is very 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 true. But there was my and just today. one final point I want to add about this is I was reading an article. I think it was Nerdist um, did an article about this, and I um I want to say it was Nerdist. Don't quote me on that, but uh, they made a point in the end of the article, basically saying that it will be good for people who read these stories before, you know, older fans, if you will, to know that these things count again. Because in an attempt to pull in a bunch of new readers, the new 52 alienated a lot of old ones. And I'm all for pulling in new readers, but I think there needs to be a healthy balance of old and new. Preach. I don't, I don't believe that comics have to cater exclusively to the older audience. Not at all, no. Because... I mean, that's how we run into certain issues that I will not bring up here. But um, 
I think there has to be a good mixture. And I think kind of what they're doing right now with, you know, bringing back the Legion of Superheroes and things that Bendis are doing are interesting because he's essentially trying to modernize the Silver Age. Where, you know, you take these big Silver Age titles and you raise them up, but add modern elements like, okay, uh, here's a black character here, here's a gay character here, you know, things that we did not see in overabundance during the Silver Age. But again, that's just me with my dartboard and my red, you know, yarn trying to connect (laughs) the dots because, you know, that's what I do in my free time because I don't have a life. Um, (laughs) I don't actually do that. I pretend I have a life, just saying. But I think that they're trying to bring these two groups together because Dan and Jim, they fucked up the new 52. They fucked up Rebirth. I mean, Rebirth have a lot of promise and they screwed that up because they couldn't stop keep, they they couldn't keep their hands off crap because, you know, it's a playground for them. And I know that that's pretty much any editor for anything ever is that it's their playground. But when your playground is dependent on how much money people are spending for these things, it gets a little murky. And I think this is them finally throwing in the towel, like, okay, look, you know, we can't do whatever the hell we want because you don't like it, you're not buying it, let's just give people what they want. But... Travis, your final thoughts? Oh, I. You've been a little choked up about this. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm really, really caught up trying to think about what a like an ultimate DC would be, and it's hard for me to separate that from any kind of like similarities to Marvel. So, um, I am extremely skeptical about it because the last time they did some kind of new universe we needed another universal event to fix it <laughs> and that fix wasn't really heated and now we're here again and i'm wondering if that's gonna it's kind of always been dc status quo but is it gonna like stop <laughs> that's my question and i'm I, I need to see it happen before i really know it's like that captain america thing like where he sits in the chair and goes so you messed up your continuity again <laughs> Right, like, <laughs> and you don't have Jeff Johns on the staff anymore. Yep. Like, what are you gonna do? So hey, I'm. Come back, though, if you didn't want me. I have this real tentative anxiety for it. That's for sure. All right, all right. So from there, uh, we we had a couple of small things. Uh, like one cool thing of the small news was that Amethyst, um, like uh, from the Gem World. Uh, like is getting her own solo title once again to wrap into the like the whole imprint that is Bendis's Wonder Comics. It is being uh, like written by uh, Amy Reader, famous for things like Moon Girl uh-huh. and Double Dinosaur. Ironically, she's done some artwork for Batwoman, so yay! Uh, <laughs> what was that? That is Mary was not a fan, but she's gonna be polite. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um. Honestly. After the damage done to Amethyst during uh, the, the the unholiest event in DC's history, that I wish I could burn to, to every copy that I can. Um, I, I'm I'm speaking, of course, of <coughs> that that name, the name that hurts my soul. 
so much every <laughs> that time. smelly smells smell like, it smells smelly uh, <laughs> it's it's the event that hurt my soul more than anything on the face <clears> of the earth uh mary do you want to take a guess at the event that hurts my soul more than anything in the world Heroes in Crisis? No, actually, no. Heroes no. in Crisis doesn't hurt me as much as you would think. It's 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 more of, uh, like, an event from the New 52 specifically. Do you want to take I, a crack I, at it? I don't know. Travis, you want to take a guess at it? Hmm, the event that hurt you the most? Yes. Um... Uh, this might be a dumb choice, but Leviathan? No, no. New, think back. New 52. Leviathan's fine. Mm. I'll give you one more guess. I'm drawing blanks, man. Future's <laughs> end! Oh, uh... see? See, I try to dissociate pain out of my <laughs> my memories. Future's <laughs> end is the whole unholiest of things. Oh, God. It hurts so much. <laughs> Just uttering it hurts me so. <laughs> it just like the like uh, the the event that killed Terry McGinnis and replaced him with Tim Drake, which you think I'd love, but no. Uh, the event that turned half of humanity into brother eye cyborgs and had the weirdest of cyborgs, like Hawkman's torso flying by itself with his head dangling from the the torso, like so John Stewart as a spider, like th things that are unholy should not be spoken of, and we have to reference it because Amethyst was in it, and Amethyst like had a solo title during that event, and like, like it was just it she was torn apart and it was left for dead. And she went back to Gemworld to save it from what was done, and we never saw her again until her return dur uh, during Young Justice. And now we have a new canon; new things are happening, and she gets a new solo title. So, how do we feel about uh, Amethyst getting a new solo title? Silence. Admittedly, I have not read anything from Amethyst like beyond the mid '90s. Damn, Travis, are so... you the same boat? I uh. When I think Amethyst, I think Steven Universe. And... <laughs> Steven Universe is great. Don't laugh. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at the correlation. Like, like yes, Steven Universe is good, but like I was laughing at the correlation. <laughs> um, yeah, hold on. That was... This is a great disappointment to me. I need to I need to Google Amethyst on DC now, because I was like, Steven Universe getting a comic book? Like... <laughs> They have comic books. Yeah, they actually do. See, comics this is amazing. Oh, great. Now, now, now Travis is going to want to review Steven Universe books. <laughs> shame me. Do it. <laughs> I'm not going to shame you because it's a good show. But, no. <laughs> but no, uh, Amethyst getting her own uh, book once again is a good, a good return to form. And we will not speak of the holiest, of, unholiest of events ever again. Like, um, and, and you know... Honestly, I thought about covering it as our winter finale, but then I got an idea this evening, so we're, we're, we might go with that instead instead of Future's End. So, no, we're not going to talk about that horrible book that, that broke my heart so many times. Oh, uh, God. Um, but, so, we, we will skip that one. But the one that had me quite interested is that, uh, speaking of DC Universe, uh, it, a DC Universe uh, heads announced that they are opening um, a competition of sorts. Um, they're bringing back that old moniker that uh, that Mary and I love called DCU, <laughs> and 
uh, is going to be their way of letting fans and users of DC Universe pitch their own show idea to the brand. And there is the possibility that your show could be made into a lot, like either a live or an animated property. Uh, that's and me. No, it, <laughs> there are there are huge caveats with it. It is a pitch for an unscripted or reality TV like show. Ooh. So you, you can't actually pitch like a Hawkman TV show or a Captain Adam cartoon. Dang. It has to be. It has to be like an unscripted or reality TV show, like um, asking people what Superman means to them in like an unscripted format. That's the kind of thing they're looking for. I wouldn't mind ship the Green Lantern TV show. Yeah. <laughs> but if you wanted to write like, a, you know, a, a DC cosplay reality show, like that's the kind of stuff they're looking for. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, but uh, I, 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 this isn't a, a horrible idea. But, like, why? It, it's content that I don't know. Nobody would get the app to watch that kind of a thing. Yeah, like, it feels like they're shoveling money into in, into a fire for no reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, because um, I, I downloaded the uh, submission form because I was curious to see what it is that they were looking at. And... Um, you know, they select a certain amount of semifinalists and then three people get to go and somebody at Warner Brothers, I guess, will listen to the pitch and then one person gets their show ordered, if you will, and then they get to be there when they film the pilot. But at that point, you lose all. You, you don't get to be the showrunner or anything like that. They give you $5,000, shake your hand, and send you out the door. <laughs> I mean, hey, five yes. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Five grand is five grand. I, I would not say no to that. <laughs> but you know, the the flight to Hollywood, you'll get to be there when they film the pilot, and then that's that. So it's not like you know, you can't write uh, a, a bombshells Aquaman cartoon or something. Oh, so sad, so sad. Tra tra Travis, are you are you going to apply for this event? Mm, I normally apply for events. After they've already started a bit, because I uh, I'm a binger at heart, so I'll probably wait. To be honest with you, wait for a few issues and then and then go for it. That way I can sate the craving. Because when it comes to these big old events, it's always a lot of crazy stuff happening, and I can't handle the pressure of all these cliffhangers. <laughs> you you don't you don't you don't want to pitch your own show to DC? No. <laughs> that was a really long way to say that, but no. Like, like, you, like you were talking about a comic book, and I'm like, no, nah, man, like, this is your time. You can pitch your own show to DC. Well, see, and then I would be all nervous about it and be like, oh, I could have rewritten this. I could have rewritten that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, I'm not built for this. <laughs> Mary, I feel like you have a pitch, like, waiting in your back pocket just for this occasion. I mean, like... I don't know. I had a couple whiskeys last night, and I thought of a funny one. It'd be like, uh, make a bunch of cosplayers, like play characters, and do like one of those ridiculous VH1 dating shows. Um, I I wish we could have like a DC version of like Stan Lee's like Who Wants to Be a Superhero. Yeah, so that is that's a that's a callback if you have ever heard one i miss that show so much like I, like I, <coughs> we didn't get a third season and i was so sad like stanley rest in peace but like i i would love a return 
Like, if, Ke if Kevin Smith was given the key to go do that, I'd be like, go ahead. I'm okay with this. I got a superhero named Fat Mama. Like, that was the greatest freaking thing ever. I Like, she ate donuts and didn't give a fuck. And I was, I was so happy. So like yeah, like I I I I I would love a return of that as as a pitch for a show, like you get to be like if and like if they were specific about it too. Like you don't even get to be like in a DC comic. You get to be like in the background of a DC comic. Like that that's enough for you. <laughs> but like I just like or like no. What if it was like oh you get to be in the background of Doom Patrol if you if you won the competition. <laughs> Like, like, just be codpiece yes oh my god codpiece no no we don't talk about codpiece oh my god that would be so funny travis do you know who codpiece is i'm scared <laughs> codpiece is a doom patrol villain who has a cannon where his codpiece would be and he shoots stuff out of the cannon Wow, so he just like fires his love gun on everybody? Like, is that what's going on here? It, it, it's like an actual like cannon, but that's it's, a like, little on the on the on the job list. Yeah, <laughs> like, he, he is a golden age villain for a reason. Whew, okay. Man, cod piece to Google. <laughs> Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap up the show. Before we do, we are gonna give you your our recommendations for comic books coming out this week at your local comic book shop this Wednesday, October 9th. So, Mary, why did I Google this? <laughs> you Google codpiece? <laughs> why would you hurt yourself like that? This is bad. Oh my god. The 80s were a weird time. <laughs> Ain't that the damn truth. Mary, what is your recommendation for October 9th? at comics happens this week. Um, I think I'm going to have to say uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. Ooh. I really liked the first issue. Um, I like those two together. I, I, I'd like for slightly more gay shenanigans. Okay. I always want to. I always want to see them go that the, that extra gay step. But I, I like the two of them. It's it's a short week in terms of my poll list, but no, I like the two of them. I like hijinks. They can get up to more hijinks. All right, all right, Travis. What is, what is your pick for this week? Um, I, I got it's it's uh Bat, the Batman's Grave by Warren Ellis. Get Warren Ellis out uh, of your mouth. I didn't think you liked <laughs> Batman. I mean, he's all right. <laughs> you know, just, just kind of a, a once in a while character. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've 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 never seen Warren Ellis take the reins on this one, and it's very different because I'm I'm not used to his writing. But this is very. There's a lot of expository stuff going on right now, and it's really slow going. But it's a nice change of pace from the craziness that batman is in currently and seemingly all the time mm. but i know with oh, the title man. that he's probably gonna die yeah and he still doesn't know he still doesn't know and now damien's gonna mm. die too yeah dude do oh, mm, no, anger no. 
Anger. How terrible. Oh, that, that's Bruce. Me, I'm like, oh, okay. no, Damien's gonna die. It's not that... <laughs> It's not that Damien's gonna die. It's it's that how it's gonna happen. Yeah. That's what's insulting. That's the whole like okay, yeah, spinning point. in my face. Yeah, like, <laughs> if, if it was any other way, I'd be like, I'm, like, I'm the same one as Barry, where I'm like, oh no, Damien dies. Hey Tim, you're not Drake anymore. Come back. Like like literally, <laughs> it's not duck quack, season quack. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> No more getting dangerous, Darkwing Duck. Let's go. Like, 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 come on back. Put the red and green back. Oh, let's go. Like, that's all I would care about. I would literally just be like, oh, no. Damien's being lowered into the, into the ground again. Let's not bring him back this time. Because Grant Morrison yeah. was dead. Like, that would be so much better. I'm sorry, but spoilers. The fact that Flashpoint Batman is the one that's putting the gun to his head, I just... I'm going to riot, y'all. I'm going to riot. Oh. Like, oh. And then my pick for this week is, is, is a comic that's been, been been on my pull list for a while. It's been really good. It's been Outer Darkness from Image by John Layman and, and Afu Chan. I've, I've been loving this idea of, like, a new galaxy in space. Like, for some reason, sci-fi books have been my, my, my really good pick lately. Between Wasted Space from uh, like from Marecki at Vault Comics and now uh, Outer Darkness of, like, from John Layman, I've been loving new interpretations of what space can be beyond my love of Star Wars. So I I just I, I'm really excited to see what this book continues to be. I definitely recommend going back to issue one, buying the first trade, and then starting up from here. So definitely pick this this book up. It's really enjoyable. Very diverse cast that I love to death, and I, I definitely definitely recommend picking it up. All right. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast. Uh, check out the website on Comics Ground on Twitter and Instagram at on Comics Ground. Check out the website every weekday for previews, reviews, and opinion pieces about the latest comic books and nerd media at oncomicsground.com. Put some hyphens between those words for me. And you can listen to this podcast, but right now, as you're listening to it, you can listen to it anywhere on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, Overcast, Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that you can listen to a podcast besides SoundCloud, because we don't like SoundCloud, and I'm going to stick to that statement. And so, Mary, what is your closing statement for this episode of Panel to Panel? I mean, I ran my mouth for a lot of this episode, so um, I'm going to say hi to the people who just kind of put the podcast on mute and went to the bathroom when I was talking, so hi, welcome back. Um. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> Travis, what is your closing statement for this episode of the Panel to Panel? Live your truth, Mary. I love your hot takes. Yes. What's the matter with you? Nuclear hot takes. I almost want to like, like make a like a like a little intro that's like Mary's hot takes. Like like we, I can just like drop into the freaking episode every time <laughs> you drop something spicy. Like it would just be so good. <laughs> my, my closing statement as always is I love Mary's hot takes don't forget to support your local comic book shop every week we love this, this medium we love what we do we will be back next week to talk about more comic book amazingness um, since uh, Blur Grounds is not having an episode this week we will be having uh, Travis and I's discussion on the first episode of Black Lightning so look forward to that next week and of course whatever other news that comes through down the pipeline for us to discuss so be stay tuned for that we will catch you folks next time right here on Panel to Panel. Peace out.